Before we jump into the episode today, I wanted to let you all know that we are sending out text messages to our community. So if you've ever wanted to know when a new podcast episode drops, when the next collective is to get that Zoom link sent to you, you can sign up for our text updates. You can do that if you go to our Instagram, which is at the Turner Collective underscore. We have a link tree link up there, which will take you to our landing page or our link tree where you can actually just type in your phone number and receive text message updates from us. This is gonna be a new channel that we're playing with in 2021, but we wanna make it as easy as possible for you all to be able to interact with us and engage with us and to know what's happening. We are excited to text you. This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season four of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm remembering how much I love Cheerios. I recently started taking CMOS, and I'm obsessed with how well I'm sleeping. And I don't really like cooking unless it's with somebody. Hi, I'm Janelle. I'm a Morky mommy. I drove a Toyota Celica for about a decade, and I drink kombucha from wine glasses. Hi, I'm LT. I'm rewatching Grey's Anatomy for the second time all the way through. I was adopted at 20 years old, and I buy books at twice the rate I can finish them. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective podcast. Hi. I'm glad I'm not alone in buying books at Toy Story. I can finish them because I have a million books I haven't read. I'm like, why do you keep buying these? And then I lug them around on the road trip. I'm like, girl, read them and get rid of them. It's so bad. I lived by a bookstore in my apartment in DC. So part of it was the act of going into the store and it was weekly supporting a local business. And I got really excited. And I'm like, girlfriend, you haven't finished the one you bought last weekend or the weekend before or the weekend before. So there's something like routine based in that. And they're hundred percent decor in my apartment as well. So that's how I justify it. I would, I think my rate might be like five times. Like when you said two times, I was like, totally. And I'm pretty sure like I have, I mean, literally right here, I have two books that I'm like, just put them next to you so that you read them. Atomic Habits and The Choice, two very good ones, but it's just like, it's funny because I thought that having all this pandemic time would mean that I could just get through all these amazing authors and words, but somehow that's not what's happening. I just look at them and I soak in their energy regardless until I can. Um, I'm curious about your adopting at 20 years old. Yeah, I, um, it was an adult adoption, of course, and I did not know as much about it until I did it, but um, I grew up with a single mom, so I don't have a relationship with my biological dad. I knew him as, um, a younger child, but as of like middle school on, I didn't have as much of a relationship and my mom got remarried to the most wonderful man on the planet. And, um, so when I turned 18, um, I was like, oh, this will be a really great, like father's day gift. And so I wanted to gift him, um, adoption papers and I envisioned it I think it's Matilda like the end of the movie where they're like signing papers on top of the car I was like I went to whatever legalzoom.com or something and like printed off these papers and was like getting ready for um, Father's Day to come my first time as an adult and um, the intention landed well and it ended up in the state of Maryland that's where my parents are 
um, it's a lot lengthier of a legal process than we are anticipating. So we had to hire a uh, family lawyer and all of the things, but it was like really important to me to still complete um, the whole like transaction of it and formalize it. Um, and to me, it's just, you know, we've learned so much about family and friends and connection and regardless of blood, he absolutely is my father figure. And so I just wanted to um, thank him through that. Nothing changes as in a, since I was over 18 in that sense, but um, the formality around it was my way of sharing like, hey, I love you. Like, thanks for raising me and doing, doing the best by me and my mom, so. That's so thoughtful and sweet. And I love Matilda. I was going to say too, it's, I moved back in with my parents and I'm like in the process of, I guess, rebuilding the relationship or like, what does it look like now? And there is a lot of past stuff that, you know, does need to be addressed, but I'm realizing that there is something about like reclaiming the relationship for myself, who I am today. And I hear that there of, um, I don't know, there were years where probably I, like I didn't really see my parents as my parents. Like I separated myself on purpose and, and to be coming back around and choosing to be here and choosing to be with all that is here and choosing to see them as humans and address the behavior. There's just, um, it's a cool sentiment of like recognizing that I could almost like, I mean, I'm not going to become adopted because they're my biological parents, but like, you know, to re-engage in, 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 honoring the relationship for what it is and um and how much I do appreciate them so I, I love that invitation actually it's wild being an adult in the relationship with your parents like I'm really that's coming up for me a ton the past few years of oh I'm not a kid anymore what is the level of our conversation um as you were speaking Rachel like choice came up for me we're like of course you're my family but like how am I choosing to approach this relationship and engage in conversation? And um, yeah, it's interesting being an adult with parents, you know? <laughs> sure is. I think choice is the perfect word. I couldn't find it, but yeah, that's it. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what the form is, but I am, I'm choosing to engage in the relationship. Whereas from very many years, it was like, I handled it. Like it was like a thing that was there and I knew that, <laughs> It wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I didn't have the capacity to do anything with it. Um, so I'm grateful that I'm here and I am at the place where I do feel like I can choose to engage in it. Um, so, yeah, I, it is so early here. I just need to clear <laughs> that I am like, I've had, I don't know. I said that I had been sleeping better with the CMOS and it's true. And I feel like I, the last week have finally started sleeping and it is like, you know, when you sleep more and then all you want to do is sleep more, <laughs> like, I feel like that's what's happening right now. Cause I'm like, Oh, my body knows what it's like to sleep now. So I'm just clearing that because I'm tired as hell. <laughs> I know. I feel like my body, you know what I've realized sleeping like in other people's homes and versus like sleeping on my own again. When I sleep at my friend Shannon's house in San Luis Obispo, she's let me stay here. I sleep like a freaking rock. And then now that I'm back on my own, like in it, like I, you know, like I'm in a, like a little single family home on my own, I'm not sleeping as well. I think like my body is a lot more alert and I forgot what it's like to like sleep in, which actually this is very, not even intentionally, very close to primal needs that we're going to be talking about today. But 
like I forgot what it's like to like I've been sleeping in community a lot or sleeping in places where I feel like I know other people are nearby and now I'm in you know this little thing that's like separate from everybody and my body is just like noise alert what's happening and I have not been sleeping that well since I got here yeah I interesting I've been here in this house for almost three months so like in a week next week it'll be three months and I, it hadn't been the most settling in experience again, for like many reasons, but, um, and then it hit me. And I think I told you this, Jenna, when I first met you that I have this, I like when I used to be in the professional world or I'd, I would move, I moved a ton. I always knew that like three months was the amount of time that it would take me to like, feel kind of like settled and not like, Oh my God, what the fuck's happening? And I had forgotten about that. And I just realized the other day, I was like, oh, it's almost three months since you've been here. Maybe that's why you're starting to settle in a little bit. Um, I think because the other times it was like such a like buildup and I'm moving and I was like aware of it. This kind of felt like the the situation of me deciding to come back here was was my choice, but also like a lot of stuff didn't feel like it was my choice. And so I kind of got lost in it, but um I'm so glad that I'm at the three months mark. I'm like, oh yes, I remember now. And then six months is even better and then I'm good. So I made it halfway. <laughs> when you say that right now, I'm just like, I'm probably just going to be here for three months and Dude, I'll cross I that finish line. I was thinking like, about that Bye. for you. Dude, I was thinking about that for you. I was just like, oh my God, I remember doing that. I, it might not be three months for you. It's three yeah. months for me. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I also haven't lived anywhere for even three months in over a year. This will be the longest I've been somewhere for over a year or like in a physical space. It's hard. I'm like craving. Similarly, I was in DC in Austin for just a short of three months now being back in the DC area. And I feel like at peace with being back home and by family and, and friends I grew up around. And I'm just like craving, like, where is it that I'm going to settle so I can like chip away to the three months and unpack my physical stuff and emotional stuff like in a home. Um, As much as I love the on the go and exploring, there's definitely something to be said about creating your space and allowing it to settle. Yeah, I was, when I was on the road, I was just traveling like out of my car and staying in all these different places. And like meeting people that actually have their like RV or their travel trailer or whatever it was. They're like, oh yeah, because like that must be different because even though we're both on the go and like your home physically moves, you still have your home set up. And I was like, yeah, I'm just packing my shit up, burning my car, taking it out, packing my shit up. Yeah. And like, I, I have like a few things that like my journal or like a book or something that, you know, like I'll unpack to make it a little homey or like a calendar, a calendar, a candle. Um, but it's just like, it's not the same. It's really not the same. And so I think if I get back out there, it's like, I need to find something that is like, that does actually feel like more of a home on wheels versus just like trying to shove myself into different places. Cause I'm the same way. It's like, I have a storage unit here and I went in there and I'm like, my blender like if anyone was listening to me in my storage unit a couple days ago they probably thought I was crazy I was like hello old friend you know just like singing and talking to all my things I was like Ariel basically (laughs) 
That's so. amazing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was a value of mine until spending time elsewhere where I have been like saving up. I think Rach, we talked about this where I was like saving up for the Sprinter van and that's all I wanted. And I'm like, yeah, I'll put my shit in my car. Yeah, I'll go visit new people. And I like call myself a stranger conversationalist where I'm like, put me in a restaurant in a bar where I know not one, no one and I'm happy. So I enjoy the exploration and it has come up for me where I'm like, no, I want my coffee maker and my pillow and my home. And I'm, it's really coming forward for me after the past few months that that is such a value of mine. And so learning to make choices that support that while it's still okay to love exploration and all of the adventure, how am I actually setting myself up for that? Like rooted value I've now discovered. It's hard. The blender, man. You got to choose the blender. I know the blender, the electric kettle. I did pull the electric kettle out a few times on the road for my tea, but like getting back into that routine, I'm like, yeah, okay. Electric kettle. Got it. But I'm also like, I do dishes every night, which this sounds stupid, but when you're on the road, I'm like, wait, I have to clean things. Cause I'm not like stayed at a motel for two or three nights. I'm like, Yes, I did dishes on the road, but it was like I had a spork and I mostly just like ate out of bags and stuff. So now like at night I'm like, oh, I got like a lot of dishes going on. I use like seven forks to make this meal. Like, this takes a lot of time. My friend is like, I just feel like I move shit from one room to another room. And I was like, I kind of feel like that's what I'm doing now in comparison to like living in, I don't know, a 200 square foot hotel room with like a suitcase full of things. Now I'm just like, I kind of just feel like I'm like carrying my shit just around and like placing it in other spots. And it feels like odd. I mean, obviously I've lived my life in a normal way, but now it feels like oddly foreign. I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to put this here and I'm going to do that. I don't know. It I've, I'm, doesn't probably make sense when I talk about it, but it feels foreign. <laughs> Honestly though, Janelle, remember when we were talking the other day and I think I said it, said it to you. Um, but as I've been, you know, single and spending a lot of time with myself, I've been recognizing the last seven years where I left certain aspects of myself. So similar, but different. It's like, I remember that in my late twenties, I was this like gritty, like I decided I was going to do something and nothing was going to get in my way. And it was probably to an extreme of like, maybe I'm just going to say it's like toxic independence. <laughs> like, like I really didn't accept help. It was probably a little extreme um, or a lot. And, and so I don't think like going back to that place is necessarily what I'm realizing, but there are aspects of who I was there that got like lost along the way. I forgot that I had that, that I like lived that way. And so um, it's like coming, coming back to the place of like, Oh, you, you can be that and you can be these other things. And just because you put that behavior down for a little while and didn't experience it, it does feel foreign because you haven't done it in a while. Um, and you can't, you can still do it. So I, different, but that's what came up for me while you were talking is like, like, we know how to do these things. You're not doing them all at the exact same time though. And so it's like bringing that muscle that's maybe atrophied back up is an interesting process. <laughs> it is. I actually wrote back when I was in Utah in July, like late July, I was like, I don't, which sounds weird, but it's like, I don't want to get comfortable. Like, and I do, but I don't like, I want to be able to stay fluid, like never to the point though, where I feel like having a house or like my things are holding me back. Like I can't leave them behind if that makes sense. And I wrote it in July and I snoozed it in my email. Cause I do that as a reminder. 
and it like just popped back up and I was like funny because in you know July I had no idea I was going to be back in you know a place and um like trying to reintegrate and settle in but it is it's like it's a skill set for sure of just getting used to not having the routine not having or like I guess recreating the team the routine in different spaces and like not having the comforts that you're used to or the, like we've talked about when we move like the coffee shop that you know or the grocery store that you go to you know it's like every single time like rediscovering those things and and figuring out what works for you and half the time it's like you know you maybe find something that potentially works for you and I was gone in two weeks or three weeks or a month or two days sometimes so it's like <laughs> you know it doesn't matter but um but it is like an interesting skill set that I told myself I want to keep sharp like I don't want to feel like I am so attached to like my routine in my home that I can't let it go. I'm hearing a lot of like my words, so I'm projecting them onto you, but that you're, that becomes a default for you. Like, and so to not just fall into like default and again, my words, like numbed out ways because it's just like, I do this and then 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 this. And then pretty soon it's just like, ying, 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 ying. Um, but that change up, it like forces you to be present and it forces you to totally choose the whole time and like be aware. So I think it's pretty cool actually. Totally. totally. Yeah. I tell everybody if you have a little scratch, a little itch to do the, the nomad life, you know, give it a try. You'll, yeah. you'll definitely learn some things about yourself and you might be uncomfortable for a while, or you might learn that you're more comfortable than you thought, but it, um, and you'll find out like what you really need. I'll tell you to your point. Like I've definitely found out like the thing is that I need, or the things like going back into my storage unit and being like, why do I, I mean, some of it's like a broom, right? I'm like, okay, at some point I'll probably need a broom again. But <laughs> but a lot of it's like, why do I have this? Like, I've been living out of one suitcase for, you know, most of the year. It's like, I don't need most of this, like most of these things. Um, and if anything now, it's like, it almost feels overwhelming. Because it's just like, what, what do I do with all this? I have to keep track of it all. <laughs> like, I'm like, what if I lose it? I don't know. What if? It's like, girl, you haven't used it in like eight months. More than that, actually. Like, you should probably just get rid of most of this, which I think that is like really freeing too. And um, something I personally had never experienced, which interesting fact, my dad told me this. In the Midwest, there are more storage units than anywhere else in the world, which I'm like, is very interesting to me from like a one of value society standpoint. And two, I'm like, people in the Midwest have basements. I feel like they generally have larger homes because they're cheaper and yet they have more storage units and like larger, like per square footage, more storage units than anywhere else in the world. I'm like, what are y'all doing in the Midwest? Like what shit are you collecting and putting in a storage unit? So that was kind of interesting for me just being from the Midwest. I'm like, do I? Like, is there more consumers in there than other places? Cause they have the buying power. And that is like what I grew up in. I don't know. Anyway. That's so interesting. I'm a ride or die East coast baby. And I'm like, we have a lot of shit over here. Like we have tons of stuff. Um, and similar to the point you're making about like, I haven't used it in eight months and whatever it's uh, when I went to Austin for three months, I filled my car up. I took a suitcase worth of outfits and workout clothes and that was it. And 
coming home and having all my stuff again, I'm like, wow, I need a, a lot less than I was expecting. And as someone who like my vice is shopping. So like people have gambling cocktails, whatever it is, my vice is like, Ooh, let's go to the mall. Um, and we're working on that recovering shopaholic, I would say, but, um, so the amount of stuff in it. So I've been spending the past few weeks, like purging and really assessing what it is I like or don't need and, and what things fit me and don't, and what are we holding on to and why? And, you know, there's so many extremes of the minimalism documentary things that were out there and what does this purpose serve? But I think just considering it and having the experience of being able to live with less and, and taking that back to future, future purchases. Did you find when you were living out of a suitcase, there's a simplicity like of, I don't know, like choosing your outfit or like, almost, Absolutely. Like, yeah, almost like a permission to like, well, I have maybe eight outfits in here. So like, I'm not like, oh, I gotta like make something new that no one's seen. It's like, I've almost made myself into like a character of a cartoon of how I dress. I'm like, I'm like Winnie the Pooh. I just like put my red pair of Lululemon leggings on and my yellow raincoat on and I just wear that every day. And that is my outfit. <laughs> but it is so, it's like super refreshing. <laughs> yes. I um, have worked in retail my entire career. So by default, that also supports having a lot of shit and a lot of clothes. And I'm like, you really only need your favorite things, your favorite few things. That's all you wear anyways. Even when you have all the choices, you wear those same things over and over. And so that extra and added thing, and especially the workout clothes one cracks me up. I'm like, but you wear black leggings every time. So like, why do you need so many black leggings or ones that you know, you can't even get to the bottom of the pile because you did laundry and it keeps stacking up and they, they don't get there. So yeah, definitely um, simplicity. And it was, I brought my favorite things and that was really fun to say like, oh, all these things fit my body. I love them. I feel confident in them and I'm excited. Boom, it's all my choices. My ex-boyfriend is one of the, I mean, there's a lot of really great things about him um, that I'm very like, he, it changed my life. Um, but one of them was when I first met him, he used to call it the, his uniform. And it was the same thing. He had just gotten back from living out of his car for over a year and he had a duffel bag. He did not have a storage unit though. So all his stuff was in, he had his coffee supplies, his uniform, which was dark denim. He had one pair of red wings and then a bunch of black shirts and then a rain jacket and a, a beanie. And I was just like, what? Cause I had been living in this house for almost 10 years and I, I owned it. And so it was like, it became a rule in our relationship of like, be conscious of what, like choosing to move into a bigger space, because if you have more space, you'll fill it with more shit. And so we would always like, think like I, I, even now I'm like, Oh, do I actually want that extra shelf space? Because if I have it, I'm going to put stuff on it. Or if I have that drawer, I'm going to put stuff in it. And I remember I was moving to Canada at the time. And so I had 10 years worth of stuff that I'd accumulated in this single family home. And I couldn't bring it all with me because there was no way I was going to be able to afford that in, in Vancouver. And so I got rid of a ton of shit and like, thank goodness he showed up because I mean, he was pretty ruthless, but I would have these piles of like, can go immediately. I don't really know yet. Ugh, maybe, maybe, maybe. And I would be like, go take one of the big piles so that I can actually freeze. I can't do it. And so he would take it. And then um, 
And then I just like whittle my way down, but it, it's, that's a really awesome influence. I'm really grateful for that. It sounds very similar to what you're both going through. Okay, I'm gonna introduce you. Before we introduce LT, I'm super duper proud of being a work in progress around my YouTube series, That Girl Got Ghosted, where I take Tinder dates into haunted hotels and we spend the night. I released episode three a couple weeks ago and it is live. I take Cam, a videographer from Denver and a nomad, into a haunted hotel in Bisbee, Arizona called the Copper Queen, where we get to stay in Julia Lowell's room, a prostitute from the early 1900s, as well as getting a visit from a little ghost boy named Billy. We'll drop a link in the show notes. It's about show notes. It's about 20 minutes long, and I hope you enjoy this silly, spooky episode. Also, I just want to say that I think the stranger conversationalist piece that you called out is like exactly why we get along so well, because I didn't, I have a name for it, but that is totally what I do. Um, so I'm so excited to introduce LT. I met her six months ago. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I feel like I've known you forever. Um, I'm just really grateful for, um, the honesty and, and the, the realness that you bring to literally everything. And it's like your ability to just recognize like, yeah, I am really indecisive right now. And I, I don't know, like you don't sugarcoat it. And um, clearly we love that here, but just for me as an individual, it has been such a breath of fresh air and a, a, like a relaxation in my body to hear somebody just being comfortable with exactly where they are, which I know that there's more underneath that, but um, that's the space that you hold with me. And I'm so grateful for it because it gives me permission to do the same. Um, so I, I'm going to read kind of what you sent me because I feel like I couldn't actually say it better than you did. Um, so LT is here today. She's a self-proclaimed proclaimed stranger conversationalist with a shoe addiction, which I'm about to get one of her pairs of old shoes and I'm so excited about it. Um, she's an advocate for all things primal needs. Um, and I am going to call out the specific ones that you mentioned. Well, you know, it goes beyond this, but specifically her and I have talked about these things too: body image, diet, culture, digital wellness, sex positivity. Um, so really what I hear there is taking those primal needs and saying them in a way that really speaks to today's generation so that, um, you know, I think it's easy to be like, yeah, food, got it. But to say it in the context of what we're going through, um, I think you do really well. Um, her mantra is just lick the fucking spoon, which I love. Um, she's a Lululemon um, human. I'm just going to say that because I feel like that you, you kind of get it. Um, and I, that's where I was able to, to meet her and really, um, benefit from what she brings to this world as a, as an access point. Um, ideation station is her favorite place. She loves brainstorming and working with teams and she's rounding out her first year of actively choosing recovery from an eating disorder, which I think is, um, is such a, you must be so proud. And again, I'm grateful for you just sharing the work in progress, like where you are in that journey, not the fact that you've got it all figured the fuck out because I don't think that's real. And so I appreciate you big time. Welcome. My goodness. Thank you so much. That was um quite the intro. I um, appreciate 
everything you shared. And um, I know we'll jump into a lot of that. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Bottom lining, clearly not my skill. <laughs> um, but the first question we always ask is, who is LT today living her true north? It seems like it should be the easiest question that maybe I'll get today. <laughs> and for some reason feels like the hardest. Um, I am in deep inquiry. So I'm really curious. Um, and for me that when I think about true north, that's where um, I would use the word like intention and understanding the impacts of choices and decisions and, um, you know, kind of differentiating this like right and wrong feels very present in today's world through everything we've gone through in 2020. There's a lot of opinions and a lot of choices and everything feels like you have to be in one or another and really exploring what serves me. Um, where do I want to go? So what do I want to choose? And that's not always the easiest choice either. And that doesn't mean it's not going to be hard choosing the quote unquote right thing. Um, and it's okay to choose something that maybe doesn't align with um, what you previously thought. So I, it's really around like your why and intention, I think would be my true north right now. I appreciate the bringing in of the layers of choice because that has been a major trigger for me before. And I'll actually just say like the, my first time at Lululemon, when I was introduced to a lot of these like concepts of like, you do have choice. I think without acknowledging the depth and all that comes with that, it can become pretty toxic um, in expecting people like, yes, it is as simple as just making it a choice, but there's a lot more to acknowledge there. And I think you just did a really good job of, of saying that. Um, so for what that's worth. One piece of it, I think, and this is very recent, I would say four to six weeks recently have been um, playing around with this idea of peace. And we kind of chatted about it a bit before of like, where is stagnant, content, comfortable, you know, we can label them all different things. They probably mean different things to people, but um, yeah, like being at peace with decisions. And so the recovery one is a great example where it's like, I'm choosing recovery, but that doesn't mean that once I choose it, it's not going to have to be a choice again. Or once I chose it, it's easy or it's not work but understanding the responsibility and what I took on by choosing recovery and being at peace with knowing it's going to be messy. It's going to bubble up. Things aren't going to be consistent versus like, I chose it. Let's move on out. Let's keep going. Also that the choice of recovery is, or anything is going to look different from day to day, which you kind of hinted at too, but it's like recovery today might look like one thing and recovery tomorrow might look totally different. Um, and so I love the, the call out of intention too, because it, it does really ground in that essence of like, I want to be in a state of recovery that I am choosing, but I'm actively in relationship with it is what I hear. And so I can kind of meet the moment, meet myself, meet the intention and see where those all co-create today, knowing that it's okay if it's different yeah. any other time from now. I like that you call out changing your mind too. I definitely was one of those people for a very long time. Like if I said I was going to do it, it like meant I had to do it. And yes, there is, I don't know, a charm to that, right. To like follow through. And if you set a goal for yourself to complete it, but I think like anything when taken at an extreme, it can definitely be, um, you know, a detriment to self and in the 
world that we're in now, for me, it's been kind of cool because there, there is less structure, right? If you're working remote, you can live anywhere. You can do all these. I mean, there's a lot of things you can't do like for safety, obviously too, but like, there's also a lot of things that are opening up right now that um, have never been an option before. And I think sometimes in having that much choice can be pretty overwhelming too. And then it's like, what path do I choose? Where do I go? And for me, I've been playing with like, okay, I can choose this. And in a month I can change my mind <laughs> and like, you know, being able to be okay with that. And like, I feel like all my friends are like, okay, stop, you know, cause I'll say something and be like, what's your plan? I'm like, well, uh, I'm probably going to be here for three months, but I don't really know. It's so like, don't hold me to that because you know, anything could happen <laughs> you know? and like really just trying to accept the fact that like things, I don't know, I could be here for a month and be like, actually, I don't want to stay here anymore. Or, like I'm going to figure out a way to, I don't know, break my lease or what, you know, and I'm, that's probably not going to happen. But um, if there's anything, I think like 2020 and COVID has taught me is just to be more fluid and to be like really okay with changing my mind and also not being afraid of the potential societal like backlash that I perceived like, oh, if I change my mind, then I'm, I know I'm flicky or I can't commit or, you know, whatever story I told myself. Um, or being like worried that my friend's going to be like, why are you, you just said you're going to do this thing, but you didn't, you didn't fall through. Um, and like really the freedom and, and that choice to, to be fluid and to change your mind, which is a fun place to be in. The whole time while you were talking, I was like, we are releasing shame. We are letting it go. And there's something in that both shame of yourself. Like I can what I label as negative and I'm so indecisive. And that was my inner voice is like, no, I actually like newness and I'm going to be okay that I don't have a lease right now. And I'm going to be okay in that like internal shift to rid it of shame. And then of course, when we say societal pressures and influences that way, there's a lot of shame of someone saying like, why can't we settle down? Or why can't you pick a place or what is it? And it's like, no, I'm cool. Like I'm, I'm okay pivoting. And it's okay that maybe I, said this place and didn't follow through because I realized that, you know, I'm on to something new and, and that's okay too. The data collection. And actually, thank you for like, you put it so simply and I feel like I've been playing with shame, but you're totally right. Like I think in the last year around so many areas, like I know we're going to get into it, but like sexual wellness, my choices in life, um, not having a job for the past seven months, I, I have felt lighter and I think a lot of it is just like letting go of the shame of all these things that I thought I was supposed to be doing and now not really having any of them and still learning how to be okay, which really has just, yeah, it's been dropping the bags of shame. How have both of you been able to do that? Like, what does that look like in real world instead of <laughs> the phrase of dropping bags of shame? Because I love it. I'm like, yeah, totally. Okay. What does that look like? LT, do you have an answer? Oh boy. Um, you know, there's an element of faking it till you make it, right? You gotta like speak into existence and like set yourself up. Because there's sometimes where I'm like, gosh dang it, you are really indecisive still. And that inner critic comes up. And I, you know, I hate to bring back the word choice again, but it's like you have to choose positive thoughts as well and choose the direction you're heading in and and getting really clear on that. Um on your why and what you want and reminding yourself of those. Um, 
similar things that, you know, what we talk about through meditation practices is like thoughts and things stir. Can you bring it back? You don't have to get upset that those inner critics come up and, and so permission to still feel shame sometimes and then know that we can move on from it. Yeah. I'm trying to think for me, part of it was almost the process in which it happened for me, like getting laid off. It, that wasn't really a choice, even though it's kind of put it out in the universe, but that wasn't really a choice. Right. So like when people are like, Oh, you don't have a job or you're doing this. It was like, well, like I almost had something else to like somewhat push it off on a little bit and not like fully own the choice of like, no, I made this decision. So when the shame was coming up from other like external sources or even from myself, I would say, um, I sort of had like this thing of like, well, you got like sort of pushed in this area. So it's okay. Like you're just figuring out how to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons. Um, and then as I've been continuing in on this journey, like now I think I'm actually owning it a little bit more, but I definitely think originally to just help alleviate the shame and doing it differently. I was kind of just like, well, almost like putting it outside of myself. So like I wasn't internalizing it and, as time has gone on it's more of like an integration of I guess like if you could you know the shadowy parts of myself of like yeah I do want to be dramatic I do want to try new things and now it's like yeah I think that's the shift now it's like I'm trying now I'm just like I'm an adventure I'm an explorer and I'm collecting data and this is going back to LT what you said like my why my intent my intent is that I'm trying to experience as much as possible in my life so that I can be in choice in the things that I choose. So if I haven't tried something before, probably multiple times, like, do I know that I like it or don't like it? And if I haven't tried something in a while, maybe I've changed my mind. So I like, I think now that is my perspective and what I'm doing versus before is like, I felt shame and I was just like, well, this is just like this thing that sort of like happened to me and I'm making the best of it. And now I have shifted to more of choice and being intentional about it. And like, I think even just like declaring it has helped it be a less shameful thing. Yeah, I I, was try- I feel like the answer is just not that simple because there's so many aspects to it. But um, I, I think both of your call outs of like, what's the perspective that you're choosing? And like, I, for me, I just keep like trying to slow down so that I can actually see what's here. Like, and then when I see it, instead of being like, oh God, it's fucking shame again. Like now I'm going to shame myself for having shame. It's like being like, okay, I, how is this? Like, what, what is this? I'm going to always have like shame exists. I can't avoid it. And I've been around for 38 years now keeps on showing up. <laughs> She's my good old friend now. <laughs> Guess I can't lose you. So what do I want to do with that? Um, and then from that, like if I can slow down enough to see what's actually like there without pushing the stuff away that I'm like, oh God, you're back. And just be like, okay, I know that at any given point in time, there's going to be a shame aspect that's here. There's going to be a this aspect that's here. There's going to be a, you know, the, the, the adventurer in me that wants to like, you know, jump off the cliff and trust the net and, 
all of that is going to be with me no matter where I am. And so can I slow down enough to just like be like, oh yeah, this is a part of who I am. So how, like which parts are flaring up that need to just be loved on a little bit right now or soothed or listened to so that I can then feel grounded enough to make the choice. I can't believe I actually, I feel like that was quite succinct. So I'm proud of myself right now because I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going to come out of my mouth right now. But I, yeah, I, and I feel like beyond shame, that's kind of how I've been handling everything right now because nothing is the same. Like literally I'm like, I'm trying to think there was something yesterday that I was like, well, that was the last thing that was like my st- stable point that's gone. Oh, <laughs> somehow my medical insurance is not available and it was a surprise to me. And so I was just like, I, I didn't even think that having that, cause I have preexisting conditions. And so I have to have medical insurance and um, then it was gone. And I was just like, well, there goes the last bubble. Like didn't even realize that was my like stable point and that's gone now. And I had to like work through that. Um, but anyways, that was a tangent. So started out good, went tangent, I'm back. <laughs> So true. So true. And like the letting go process and the stability to your point, it's just like, it can be so jarring, but then also once you've processed it for me, like once I processed it and gotten through it, it is really freeing too, which has been cool. And still scary. Cause it's like, yeah, I have like shit medical insurance too. And I'm like, I hope nothing happens to me. You know, <laughs> anything I do, people are like want to climb up this rock. And I'm like, uh, I don't know like what's the risk versus like my shitty ass health insurance like maybe I'm gonna pass on that rock <laughs> cool <laughs> but yeah but it, it can also be free I will say too like the more I, I feel so privileged from a standpoint of like having this platform because I honestly like getting to hear so many different people going through the same, I'm having quotes, same things is such a freeing experience. Cause I, I really do think that that's why I've been able to stand here. Cause the last four years I've been having conversations with people about like, how the fuck do you do that? And then I'm like, wait, you feel that way too? Well, shit. If I'm not this like isolated incident of piece of shit, then well now what is possible? And so I, man, the power of community and actually sharing an honest the honest reality, which is why you mean so much to me, LT, because um, especially in a work setting to have somebody who can like go there and it was a manager um, employee situation too. So like the ability, I don't know, to me, that makes me feel like, okay, we're, we can figure out the shit that's happening in this world when I can see within structures um, that exist. And I know Lululemon kind of pushes the envelope, but still it's a corporate entity that's publicly traded. And like, I got to have those types of conversations in a work setting and like, damn, that's, and again, it's not across the board, but it says something. April is all about consistency. We held our workshop on April 1st on it. And the theme is carrying into our collective for the month. The Collective is our monthly community gathering where we are fellow travelers and we bring in groups of people, our community members, to just talk about what it looks like to be works in progress, to live life, and 
to try and follow and find your true north. These are really fun events. They're a great way to meet other people, feel deeper connection. We would love to have you all join. It's a free event. We will drop a link in the show notes where you can sign up to make sure you receive the Zoom link to attend. Third Thursday of every single month at 7.30 Central Standard Time. We'll see you there. So it's definitely something I've been um, exploring in leadership and especially out of 2020 is humanizing and where can we be there for each other, still get up to big things, you know, as we'll label it and get our work done. And there are those moments where you're just like, oh God, this human being like, yes. (laughs) So um, similarly, thank you for seeing me in that capacity and giving space to have these dialogues so important um from a leadership standpoint I feel like that's a whole nother rabbit hole Rachel you're probably gonna maybe bring this up too because I do want to talk about that and I have thoughts but what I would like to also talk about because we're (laughs) coming into it like Elsie how is like primal needs where did this concept like come from for you how is it showing up I'd love to get into that like a little bit more in your story Absolutely. Um, One thing I've gotten in the habit of sharing too before um, diving in, especially since one of the things out of this is like diet culture and eating disorders. And I just want to acknowledge that like, there's a lot of like triggering language in it. And I try to be very mindful of how I speak to it, less numerics, less actual activities versus concepts. And so I always just like really clearing that before diving into um, the dialogue. But Primal needs has been like a new discovery in um, how to chat through it all. So I've um, been impacted by eating disorders and diet cultures um, since I was about 15. And so that area and body image and the influence of social media has always been something I'm really um, passionate about for both myself and for others, and especially working in the fitness community and the retail community. There's such a big pull in that. And Um, as I've gotten older too, like digital wellness has been a topic I've really enjoyed discovering, which some people might be like, what the hell is digital wellness? (laughs) Um, which if you think about, um, digital wellness can be anything from like the impact of technology to children and parenting to, um, the impact of technology to relationships and businesses and, and leadership and things. And, um, more recently finding a lot of power in, um, the sex positivity movement and, Um, especially as that relates to women and women's pleasure and not being petrified to say women's pleasure on a podcast. And so um, those topics, I'm like, well, they're all really different and they all deserve their own podcast. But when I have thought about it more and been in dialogues, I'm like, ah, the the common thing is a primal need. So as human beings, um, we're designed to, to need food and to be intuitive with our food and to eat when we're hungry and hydrate. And we have this like diet culture world that tries to influence us otherwise. And, um, you know, as primal human beings, we need human connection. And we now have apps that really um, sometimes take away from the magnitude in which we connect with others and um, sex positivity. We are designed as human beings to experience pleasure. And when we have sort of a shame-based world or a world that prioritizes someone's pleasure over another or an inability to explore that, Um, I think we're not meeting our primal needs. So I really like addressing the conversation of the word intuition comes up for me, um, primal needs, like as humans, 
uh, we need these things to survive and the world has evolved at a much faster rate than we have as human beings. Um, tech is obviously a really easy spot and we look at social media that way that, I mean, that changes exponentially in a 30-day period and, and we as humans haven't quite kept up yet. Um, when we look at those like Black Mirror episodes or things like that, that really shows where, where the conversation can go. But that's really what I would describe our primal needs as. I had a coach client relationship with a person and we were talking about the Maslow's hierarchy. And in the conversation, we were talking about how, like, especially when you're so, when you are privileged, you almost don't pay attention. Like you don't have to pay attention to that bottom layer, which means that a lot uh, of the time you're, you're focused on the top and you're so focused on it that the pyramid almost like goes inverted, which means that the pyramid falls over. And so we're having this interesting dialogue around um, really coming back to those. We weren't calling them primal needs, but the bottom of the, the layer, because just because I can check it off, like I don't have to think about, I don't have to think about where my food's coming from. I don't have to think about where the water's coming from. I don't have to think about, um, and I'm, I'm almost, and in that conversation, it was like, I'm so focused on like the actualization, which I think is at the top um, or like furthering, like evolving and my development and stuff that you like don't, aren't actually living. You aren't actually like taking care of your needs at all. And it is interesting. It sounds really, really similar on like a global scale of just, we've spent so much time trying to innovate and, you know, um, come up with the next best thing or make it more efficient or, whatever. And, and yes, there are pockets that are getting those needs, like almost become a default, but we're not even paying attention to them. So like, really, is anyone really actually getting their primal needs met? I don't know. It's interesting. I always thought to like, I mean, it probably depends on which one you look, but I think they're all pretty similar that at the bottom of the pyramid is reproductive needs, which in theory is like sexual wellness. And yet that is to your point, Rachel, like something we don't really talk about. We don't really acknowledge, or I never really did growing up until recently. And like, there's definitely certain things like that, that are in the base of the pyramid. It's just like, damn, like people wouldn't, I don't think people would put like sexual wellness at the bottom of the pyramid. I never would have. I was like sexual wellness. Now that's, we don't talk about that actually. <laughs> Sorry. I LT, you would love this. I had a friend I was hanging out with a friend recently and I've become very, I guess you could maybe say obsessed with like the vulva and like what it looks like and how it works and what, cause I didn't ever get like, it was never talked about. And I've, I think I've shared this on the podcast before. Like I want, when everything opens up, there's a woman in the UK who does vulva casting. And so I'm telling my friend about this and I'm like, I want to do this really bad. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, well, you like spread your legs over this woman. Like, I don't know. She puts the uh, plaster of Paris, like right on there. And, and it's cool. And she has a book. So I'm, I've backed the book and it's going to, it's like a coffee table book of over 200 vulvas. And so on her Instagram feed, I'll link it in here on her Instagram feed. It's uh, all these different vulvas. And I was like, I, so I've been trying to find mine. I'm like, I want to know if like, which one is, and there's, I can't find it. So I'm talking to my friend and I'm like, 
So this is like a really weird question, but I'm trying to find another vulva that looks like mine. And like you now are, so she is bisexual or lesbian. Now she has come out and, and I was like, now that you're like with other girls, do you like, have you found other vulvas that look like yours? Like, I didn't know, even know how to ask the question. Like I was like, cause we don't see them and it's like a big thing and it's all taboo. And like, if I look at your vulva and now, what does that mean about me or you or whatever? And we had this awesome conversation and she's like, well, are your curtains open or are your curtains closed? And I was like, oh, I know exactly what you're telling, asking me right now. And then we were, so we were just talking about it. And so now her and I have like started this really cool dialogue of like trying to find our vulva twins. And like, I don't know, it's just, it was such a normal conversation, even though it wasn't like to actually engage in that, to be like, yeah, I like look at vulvas a lot. Cause I'm so curious about them. I felt like, is it, am I weird? Is there something wrong with me? And it's not, it's just like, we never got the chance to know any of this. Like, and I want to, it's a huge, I mean, it's a huge part of who I am. And i never, ever got invited to even be like, to know that anything could, didn't, to even question what anything looked like. So anyways, that was kind of a rabbit hole, but I was like, it was, it was pretty fucking awesome. Actually. I was like, this is so cool. I'm talking to somebody about all the different kinds of vulvas and it doesn't have to mean anything. It's just like, we're getting to know ourselves. Yeah. I think within sexual wellness, of course, we're going to say the actual act of or experiencing pleasure and what that does to sleep and intimacy and productivity, et cetera. And I think there's something to be said about dialogue around sex, supporting that as well, both having friends that you can talk about sex with and maybe partners or a variety of genders of friends that it's not like sexting or sexual, but it's like, let's talk about it in this like healthy way, be it anatomically or um, pleasure driven or whatever it is. And, and that is inclusive of, I think, sexual wellness. Okay. You just totally validated me because that's what my, again, like the last six months I have a handful of friends, uh, all genders that I'm have engaging in these conversations with. And sometimes when I tell people that they're like, oh, that's what they think. They think it's like, oh, I'm just getting pleasure. I mean, I am getting pleasure from it. It's It's not necessarily like sexual pleasure in the moment, but I'm like, it's so valuable to be able to have an, a conversation with different people and not have to have it be about like the act of sex or pleasing myself in a sexual way. Um, and then no, recognizing those nuances for myself too, of like, oh, actually I am feeling turned on right now. And what do I want to do with that? And like, that's not where this conversation was going to go. And now it's happening. And what do I do with that? Or or vice versa and just letting it be real and not having to like have it, any of it mean anything, just like be real about it. But I appreciate that. Cause I've had a lot more conversations. I was like, am I like, literally, I was like, am I a sexaholic? Am I like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not, I don't think maybe I am. I don't think. Yeah. I think I'm just curious. Exactly what I was about to say. I'm like curious. And it's like, a, I mean, it is. And I think that makes so much sense because when it comes to our bodies and depending on like your age group, I think the only thing I really was given other than, and I don't actually think health class, we talked really about our bodies at 
all. So the one thing I had about my body was like when I got my first period, it was like the American Girl doll book or the like, do y'all know what I'm talking about? It was just like, here you go. And it was the one thing like my entire youth that was like, we're going to talk about getting like pubes and, you know, you have a vagina and where does your tampon go? Like that was the only, the only thing. And now even as an adult, it, it is like the only playground I've really found to play with that is in like sexual partners or like, yeah, every once in a while having a friend that's like, okay, well, I talk about sex and everything, but like how detailed do you actually get? Or, and it's starting to change like the Goop Lab episode on like orgasms and things. I'm like, okay, like this is the, where has this been like my entire life? Because I've had an American Girl doll book, uh, sex and a couple, like maybe two friends. And that has been my space to talk about sex. I even, I told my friend the same one. I was like, honestly, I feel like when I got sick at 15, something in me just like shut down. And now you know, over 20 years later, I feel like I am giving myself my life back. And I'm almost I've like going back to that 15 year old self where I'm like, wait, so what happens when a penis is peeing? Like what, what really happens? Cause like, I don't know. And so I, t- <laughs> I told her, I was like, I'm just going to like enter the dating world and be like, I just want to see, like, can I just see what's happening? Can I just like, and nothing, it doesn't have to mean anything. I mean, maybe it will, but can you just like show me what you got just so I can like see what is it? I don't know. And she was just like, you cannot do that. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but if I was 15 and I wasn't thinking about death and cancer, I think that's maybe what I would have been doing. And I never got to do that. So like, does it really matter? And she was like, oh my gosh, if you do that, just, I don't know. I was like, I might. I don't know. I'll you can keep do you it. guys posted. <laughs> you can do it. I've been weird about it. I like meeting people specifically when I'm like, I don't really care where this goes. Like, it's like not like, a, well, I hope we're together forever. And I'm all like, all right, let's talk about the real shit. <laughs> Let me see. Actually, hold on. Let's get a light. <laughs> but even, even in like an actual real connection, like that is so to be that vulnerable. Cause I'll say on the flip side too, when I ask those questions, I need to be ready to receive those questions. And so I have, I've had people ask me the same thing, um, you know, in their own way, like what their curiosities are, um, not having a vulva, having a vulva, but being not me. And, um, and, and in, in like close relationships where I, I thought the same thing, I was like, oh shit, is this gonna, is the line going to get blurred? Is it, and it's not, that's not happening at all. It's like, massive respect, um, deeper connection, vulner, it's huge vulnerability. And then it's also like, I, I think respect again, of just like, I can share this thing with you without making it into something, um, for me or making it into something, because that's what, you know, I've been, I've thought that I needed to do. I can just let it be what it is and go deep with you and, and let that be, um, it's been, it continues to be eye-opening for me to have those kind of conversations. And to clarify, because I, I think this is important for me, I can, the outcome piece is more, not that I'm not really interested in that person, but more like if I, I would not do that if I was like scared about an outcome before. So if I can let go of that piece, it has fueled deeper connections with people I actually want a deeper connection with too. But before it was like, oh, I don't want to be like weird. So but it's not weird. 
If you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you know I'm pretty obsessed with Whoop. Whoop is a wearable that tracks your heart rate variability and will give you a ton of data around your strain, your recovery, your sleep. What's different about Whoop compared to other wearables out there is that the data it gives you is very in-depth and it's really giving you a holistic picture of what your day-to-day strain is from the second you get up to the end of the day not really just your workouts or giving generic metrics around steps for example that can be good if you just want to get up and moving but if you're really training for something or you want deeper insights whoop is amazing they even have a journal feature that'll tell you what behaviors you do throughout the day and how they affect your sleep and recovery. But one of my favorite things about Whoop coming from the fitness industry where people are really always just encouraging you to push, 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 is it was really permission giving for me to actually take a recovery day. If I woke up with a low recovery score, deciding, hey, I'm not gonna run today, I'm actually going to rest because that's what my body needs and that aligns with my goal of longevity with my body. If you are interested in getting your first month of Whoop free, as well as a free Whoop strap, we're gonna drop a link in the show notes. And if you have any questions, feel free to DM me at L. Reese on Instagram. Um, a really beautiful connection of sexual wellness I find is body image as well. And I'll share from like my personal experience. This is not something I've like necessarily read articles on or not, but like while those two things feel really separate, I think they go hand in hand. So I have found more acceptance with my body when I also have found more acceptance in my sexual wellness or like being more intimate or vulnerable or expressive in that area of my life. I've also grown to like love my body more and vice versa. Um, You know, if you bring body image issues into the bedroom or into those conversations, it's from a different place, right? And it kind of holds you back in those. And so I really am exploring the connection there and have noticed like my ups and downs through body image and how has it impacted partners and friendships and um, different things in that sense. And I think finding um, empowerment in both of them can support in both fields. Yeah, I like right when you said that, I was just like, totally, they totally are related. Like, period. Yeah, I always get this, like, might be TMI, but I always share with people, I'm like, if you're more worried about what you look like while you're having sex, it's not going to feel so great, right? I'm like, if you're the, like, looking good versus feeling good, or, you know, you could talk about that as an Instagram post or having sex. And, like, when you focus on the looking good, you're not going to have that feeling good and long-term kind of feel, so... I will also add similar experience to you, like when my my relationship with my body and accepting it for all it is has improved. I mean, my sex life has been so much better. Like, I feel like when I didn't like my body, it was like, I almost didn't have a sex life because I I was too in my head. It's like your point. It was just like, I don't even like doing this because I'm just too like, oh yeah, what do I look like? Or maybe I don't look attractive or da da. And then it's just like, I'm not even enjoying like having sex with anybody. So like, what's the point versus having acceptance for body. And then it is like, you're present, I guess (laughs) you're more present in the moment. So you're actually enjoying it and you're there for the experience. That exact story is really like how my interest in sexual wellness came up. Cause I've been so rooted in 
body image and eating disorders and diet culture and realizing how much of an impact that has. Again, it's like this big red thread of primal needs and this big red thread of joy and and um, fulfillment in the long term. And so it's spot on with how it all trickles together. And I think you can even go beyond body image there too. Like if your sense of self is one, and this is mine, <clears throat> if your sense of self is like, I don't really like who I am, or I am like the storyline, the byline that this has been through a lot of my life is that I'm actually a piece of shit, like actually underneath it all, I'm actually the piece of shit. And that is like stems from that same place. So my body might look great, but if I think deep down inside that I'm a piece of shit, I also can't show up in, in the bedroom or anywhere in a way that isn't trying to cover that up or cushion it or distract from it or, you know, make up for it. And as I've been able to release, um, cause I would say my body stayed pretty consistent. Um, but it's that, that, I'm, you know, that other stuff that I'm telling myself, the inner critical things that are still there. Um, and the more I can release that, um, like sex has improved too. Not that I'm having sex right now, but, um, sex with myself, like my own relationship to myself and how I feel about myself. And um, yeah, so beyond the body too, I think it it is right there as well. So uh, I was just going to say, I, I, I have a question for you and I don't, I don't know totally how to ask it. So I'm just going to ask it as you started to look at the, the eating disorder, what, what was that like process? Like of like, what was that point where you went like something has to change or like, I need to address this or like, I don't know. Cause I'm thinking for myself, like of my own recovery, it was many seeds dropped along the way. And then there was just kind of like a straw that broke the camel's back where it just like, and my body actually wouldn't let me keep acting in the same way. So I'm just curious what that, what that looked like for you to actually step into a space of recovery. It's a great question. Um, I, as I mentioned, I I've been on this roller coaster ride with, um, different behaviors and have gone through periods of anorexia or over-exercising or under-eating or whatever it was. And um, especially, you know, 15 to almost 30 now, your body also as a woman is changing so much. So it really showed up in a quite a variety of ways and um, leave it to the pandemic. I think uh, a lot of people blame 2020 for a lot of things and the way I interpret it is 2020 really just shined a, a brighter light on this area of my life for me to really um, not be able to hide from it anymore. And I very vividly remember um, I had started a certain um, eating and exercise regimen in the beginning of 2020 that um, for my life was uh, ended up not being a very healthy decision. And um, I label healthy both on like um, the food intake that was appropriate and like mental, mentally healthy, it wasn't, um, the best. And so we had shut down and I was still participating in, um, this style of tracking and eating and the mental obsession that really was coming out of that when my business was shut down was magnified. I was able to put even more time and more energy into this obsession and, 
um, I had just really gotten to a place where I, I remember sitting on the, on the couch in my one bedroom apartment in Washington, DC, um, totally quarantined and just being like, I don't want to fucking live like this anymore. Um, feeling so alone and so obsessed and, and that like emptiness of it, of, um, when you're not running around working and running around doing things, you're, uh, less distracted from really addressing why was I doing this? Why did why why was I changing my body? Why was I making the food decisions I was? And so being forced into a position to address it, and I I checked myself into um, my eating disorder clinic. It wasn't something that someone um, forced me into or family brought me to. And um, I know that's kind of a mixed bag of of decision making in there, where that's not always what occurs, but. Um, I very vividly remember sitting on the couch and just being like, there's got to be more than this. Like, I don't want to fight myself anymore. I, I know I want better. So I need to get the support to be able to make the decisions to do that because I can't do this by myself. Um, so yeah, the, the desire for more. I have such an appreciation for really anyone, whether it be like eating disorders or AA or like just the one, the acknowledgement that you need help and like, you don't have to battle whatever you're going through alone. And two, the, and correct me if like, this is not your story, because I don't want a blanket statement, but I do think there's like a huge piece of self-awareness for people that go through that. Cause like so many of us are dealing, or maybe not dealing with shit, but like have the same things or like, you know, insecurities or, habits or addictions or whatever it is. And like, we just don't address them. And I was talking to someone actually last night and I was just saying like, when I meet people that say that they, they've gone into some form of recovery, like I'm like that person, like that person has self-awareness and has done some work. And like, I'm almost actually drawn to them because I really just have such like a high respect for that level of awareness and like that vulnerability to go and get what you need. I was having a conversation with my mom the other night and I I have zero research. This is all just Rachel's speculation, (laughs) but I think that we as humans are have addictions. That's a part of being a human is that we have addictions. And I was saying to her, if we looked at at life as I am a human and as a human, that means that I have shame. I have addictions. Like that is a part of being human. Like how a lion likes to eat meat. I am a human, which means I have these things. And we looked at them that way instead of like, Ooh, you have an addiction and it's this. And like, we're going to quarantine you in this corner and and like put a lot of like whatever against it. Um, that's just not real because it is all of us. And so I was saying to her, like, I love that there's all this research being done on like growth and, um, you know, addressing some of these things, but where's the research that allows us to have courses in schools or conversations or a grounding in like, all right, we've done the research. It is proven that as a human, we are all going to have to deal with, you know, these things that we try to, um, label and we try to demonize and we try to, um, overly, I cannot think of the word, but we try to like, um, oh my God, I can't think of the word right now, but 
we try to make people have them and not, and then be like, but I'm not that. But the fact of the matter is that we all do. And if we all were actually working with ourselves on what are the addictions that exist for me and what is my relationship to my addictions and how does it show up for me because I'm a human, which means that I have to address them because that exists here. It's like a totally different space than how we are now. Am I making any sense? You are making a ton of sense. Okay. I, think, I, I think I called <laughs> shopping my vice earlier. I would say I have an extremely addictive personality as like a human just living. And I probably have a bit of an extra there. And it is, it's like the, um, when things were out of control, like I would spend the money or I would choose the eating pattern or you like grab onto those things and the fluctuation between them. I can totally see straight up in my credit card statement of when I wasn't tapping into my awareness of that and when I wasn't um, getting the support I needed to understand like, oop, the eating control is changing. So let me leverage something else. Um, so you absolutely making sense. <laughs> well, even I, there's a group called the narcissist. I think it's the narcissism recovery center. And I started following them and like a lot of what they said, I was like, damn, this is like, I don't know. It was just like being said in a way. And I don't know if this was her intention, the person who started it, but in a way that almost like invited to me, it seemed like it invited anyone to go, where in my life am I narcissistic? And how do I address that? What do I do with that? Versus am I narcissistic or not? It's like, okay, hate to break it to you, everybody, but we've all been narcissists at some point probably still even now. And like, and it just, instead of making it such a um, isolating conversation of who is and who isn't, and instead just literally use anything as an invitation to say, where is that alive in me? And what can I do with it? And here's a space where I can play with that part of me. Um, I don't, that to me has been such a, a way to bring it back to shame to go, okay, I'm going to have this no matter what. So I can judge myself for it. But then that means I literally am judging everybody and then I'm just choosing judgment. So I might as well try to build a relationship with this thing that exists in literally everybody, even though some people might not want to acknowledge it in themselves. It does live there. And when they're ready to address it, if they want to, they will. And I don't have to worry about that. But what I can worry about is me. And I would like to build a different relationship with it and start to learn how to accept. Well, <laughs> Um, I know it's like big topics and, um, I appreciate the anchor of primal needs, um, in all of this. Cause I do think that that's what we have been tapping into kind of throughout all of this. And I am appreciative to be able to have this conversation with you as it's like being birthed within you because, um, I can see the dots connecting even as we're talking. And I think that's like a really cool process to witness, um, I'm ex so excited to see where you take this. Cause I think there's a lot there. Um, and you're very connected to the way that, like I said earlier, the ability to take this thing that, um, you could take on a piece of paper and just be like, yeah, my food, yeah, my water, yeah, my whatever, and actually speak to it in today's language. I think you're doing a really great job. So please keep going. Your voice is important. Thank you. Thank you. It takes a village. So I appreciate everybody's um, yeah. support and being on the reverse end of the um, conversation so we can all work through it. Yeah.
Before we close out, can I ask you about the just like the fucking spoon? Is that what it was? Did I? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I not in fucking in there. <laughs> just like the spoon. Like, my the other uh, zinger in my bio is I have a horrendous potty mouth, so this is my opportunity to say fuck on the podcast for the first time. Me too. Um, <laughs> fuck is my favorite word. It really is. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Um, so the mantra, just lick the fucking spoon. If I was sharing this in a different light, it could be just lick the spoon, but you know, you got to get the F bomb in there for, for depth, um, is, uh, the story behind it is when I had finished, um, and left treatment back in, um, the spring last year, I was in my apartment and we were still quarantined at the time. And so really using the additional time to like find joy in cooking and explore new recipes and give myself freedom in the kitchen and really work on my relationship to food through cooking. And uh, historically when I would make something, so I chose this like epic brownie recipe. I think it was a kale junkie recipe and I'm like making brownies and stirring them up in my kitchen and Um, historically I would take all of the ingredients and put them in my fitness pal and let it all calculate and bake the brownies, cut the brownies, measure the brownies, the whole thing. Um, and as I was baking, um, I looked down at the brownie batter and was like, just lick the fucking spoon. And historically I wouldn't give myself permission to do that. Right. Cause the brownie batter is not part of the whole measuring wild scenario of knowing what was on that spoon. Right. And being able to account for that. And so that whole concept of just like the fucking spoon for me is, as how am I choosing joy and how am I tapping into my body's intuition? So it's kind of circling back to that primal need. It's like, well, if your body's telling you like, I'm a little hungry for a snack and I want a piece of that brownie batter, like you better fucking believe it that I'm going to, that I'm going to eat some of it now. Um, so it's my play on choosing joy and, and tapping into what we need and whether that's, um, I'm going to choose to, you know, get this cocktail with my friends, or I'm going to choose this vacation or choose to save my money or choose to spend my money. Um, just being really, really aware to give ourselves permission to, to say yes to those intuitive callings and yes to joy. Love, love, love. I'm definitely like, I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket. I've been licking the fucking spoon a lot and life has been pretty good. <laughs> You got to say yes sometimes and right and all in all in moderation because I think somebody could hear this and be like oh well you know spend your money and have sex with everyone and I'm like pause before we go too far and too extreme I said lick the spoon I didn't say eat the whole bowl of brownie batter right we don't want to give ourselves a stomach ache but you can lick the spoon we can play with that such a good analogy because sometimes I eat the whole bowl <laughs> And do have a stomachache, which is also my lesson to learn. Yeah, it's like I do it, and you know, I'm like, doesn't feel really good right now. Noted. Remember this. It's like I always say, like the run into the fire. Not my visual, but it's like you ran into the fire again. Had to remember that it hurt, and now you can make a choice that is kinder to self again later. And you'll probably run into the fire again later too, and that's chill because sometimes I like to eat a whole bag of cookie dough. Yeah. And how can you offer that as a consideration? So even Mm -hmm. saying like, Ooh, I have to choose no brownie batter, a spoon of brownie batter or the bowl. And I know the bowl wasn't good. So now I only can choose the spoon. And it's like, what if I just know that like I got a stomach ache last time. So I'm just going to consider that in my next 
Sunday baking episode, right? So it's just consideration in it versus, oh, I can only do one or the other. I can't live in between. Or it's like, I didn't love the bowl. I'm considering that, but I am going to have two spoons this time. And we feel good with that. Love, 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 love. That's awesome. All right. So being mindful of time, LT, how do you live your true north in one word? When I thought about this coming into it, I was like, intention has to be the word. And we opened talking about why, but after that story, I'm like, it has to be joy, right? I'm going to say joy. I'm throwing a curveball. I love, okay. When people like send the word in in advance and then change it in the moment, I'm like, I know me too. The best. (laughs) And then if um, people want to reach out to you, like learn more about the work you're doing, follow your journey, where can they do that? Um, Instagram right now would be the best place. And my Instagram handle is Linsanity the Rebel. Um, it is L-I-N-S-A-N-I-T-Y, the Rebel. Um, and then I am uh, will be posting on Medium um, some of the uh, eating disorder journeys and a few different writing series about some of the things we chatted through today. And that is to come, but we'll come through Instagram. So I hope you are so proud of yourself. Because seriously. You're it's awesome. a hard thing to do. Um, it is a hard thing you know? to do. All of it, all of it. And you're doing it and it's, I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see both of you. And thank you so much for this space and for having me. Yeah. yeah thank you. This has been thought provoking and also like validating in quite a few places. Mm-hmm. Cause I have had thoughts, but not as like succinct and I'm also on my own like sexual wellness journey so just like hearing your take on it and being like labeling it like a primal need and letting go of the shame around it which I've started to do but like even more so I'm like wait no this is a primal need good so thank you I appreciate it I'm taking a lot from this conversation same this has been another episode of the true north collective podcast for more from Rachel and I check us out on the gram at the true north collective underscore And make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. You can do that at thetruenorthcollective.org to stay up to date on all of our resources, tools, and upcoming events. We appreciate you being here with us. We'll see you next time.